Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Well, praise the Lord indeed for his glorious work in his church. Good evening, loved ones. What a joy it is to be together. Let's open up our Bibles to Psalm chapter 78. Psalm chapter 78, verses 1 to 8 is what we're going to look at today. And if you do not have a copy of God's Word with you, our ushers are coming right now. Just put your hand up. They want to put a Bible in your lap. And if you do not have a Bible at home, please take that as a free gift as our way of encouraging you to continue to study God's Word on your own time. Psalm chapter 78, verses 1 to 8. We're going to go verse by verse line by line. The title of this message, very fittingly so, for what we just witnessed with these parents and children here, is called Tell the Coming Generation. Tell the Coming Generation. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 19, verse 14, you'll see it on the screen, and he didn't make this an option. He commanded this for his people. He says, let the children come to me and do not hinder them. Let the children come to me and do not hinder them. Hey, question, question, church, question. Listen to this. How many of you right now in this room would like to see the next generation, these children right here, and the plenty that are in this church and downstairs and in churches all across this country. Listen, how many of you would like to see the next generation of children coming to and putting their faith and hope in Jesus Christ and passionately pursuing him with fervency and boldness? Just put your hand up if that's you. Yeah. Praise the Lord. So I think we can all agree on that, that absolutely that is our heart's desire. Wrong question to ask, though. Here's the question behind that. Um, how many of you are willing to live out your God-given responsibility to see it happen? Your God-given responsibility and mine of loving these children and relentlessly praying for them and investing in them and equipping them and discipling them to see that happen. See, we all would love to see the next generation raised up, but the question Jesus is asking his church and the command that he's given is, are, are you willing to do whatever it takes to see it happen? Are you willing to follow my blueprint of what I've given to you? And I think this highlights the problem, don't you? Right here, we're often apathetic in this. As parents, as a church, we're often apathetic and we often make excuses as to why we can't disciple our kids and um, we prioritize other things ahead of it. You do it and I do it at times. And what happens, right? What Jesus says right here, don't hinder them. We hinder kids from coming to Jesus. In our apathy, in our misplaced priorities, in our excuses, we hinder children from coming to Jesus. And what happens as a result? You see it happening all over. We entrust the training of our children to the world. The world's ready to disciple the kids. We entrust the training and discipleship of our children to the world to be trained in what the world says. They should be giving their attention, their affection, their time and efforts to, and ultimately what they should be putting their hope in. And what's the result? We see it all around the world today, here in our city, across our nation, and globally, children are confused. Children are deceived regarding their identity, regarding their purpose in life, regarding their priorities they are to keep, the values they are to hold that lead to life, the morals they are to live by, the ethics, the principles, and their suffering. And they are turning away from Christ because of it and turning to the world. But I want to encourage us tonight from God's word. Church, I want to encourage us tonight 
It doesn't have to be like this. Parents, as you stand up here and you dedicate your kids and you see the onslaught that comes against them being brought up in the training and instruction of the Lord, you do not need to fear. Be encouraged. You do not need to fear. Why? Because, listen, listen, eyes up here. Because absolutely no one loves these children more than Jesus Christ. And absolutely no one is more passionate to see them come to him and set their hope in him than him alone, the one who created them. Intimately, fearfully, and wonderfully for his glory. It doesn't have to be like that. And here's the great thing. Jesus is jealous for the soul of those children. He's jealous. He created it for himself. And he's got a plan for them. And church, be encouraged. He's given us a blueprint that and has and will continue to equip us to lead them to him in his power, no matter what comes against it in this world. But here's what we need to drill home tonight. The big idea of this message, if you get nothing else out of this message, you get this, write this down, it's on the screen. The people of God must train their children to set their hope in God. I'll say it again. The people of God. Notice, notice what's not in there. And you won't find the text. Just, well, the parents of the kids must train. The people of God must train children to set their hope in God. And here in, the, in Psalm 78, the main purpose of this psalm is to drive home this point. This is why the psalm's written. It drives home the vital importance of faithfulness and obedience in discipling the children that God has entrusted to us. In his word, if they are to set their hope in him. But also, Psalm 78, as much as it drives home the point of needing to be faithful, it serves as a warning, church. Psalm 78 is a warning for the people of Israel, written in context, and for us today, bringing up our children in the Lord, that if they fail to pass on the truths of God to their children, those very kids will soon turn aside from following the Lord, just like their rebellious ancestors did in Egypt. And so here in our text today, in these first eight verses, don't worry, we're not going through uh, all 72 verses of Psalm 78. These first eight verses we see two truths that we must realize and increasingly live out in Christ's power if we are to be faithful in training up the next generation to know and to set their hope in Jesus Christ. You ready to go, loved ones? Let's honor the authority of God's word. Bibles open, mouths, let's declare this. Let's stand together and read. Psalm chapter 78, verses 1 to 8. Tell the coming generation. Let's go, verse 1. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old. Things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us, we will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach their children, that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments, and that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. Hear the word of the Lord and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Here's the first thing we see right here from verses 1 to 4. Uh, to train our children to set their hope in the Lord. Write this down. We must make the commitment. Make the commitment. This is where it starts. Make the commitment to do what? To teach them. Not just in theory, but in practice. Making the commitment 
to teach them. Notice verses one to three. Let's read. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. Notice the exclamation point. Circle that in the text, verse one. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we've heard and known that our fathers have told us. Here's the application point right out of verse three. You'll see it on the screen. God commands us to teach his word to the children. Here it is, loved ones. Will you commit to that? The command is so clear. Just look at one to three. The command is so clear. God commands us to teach his word to his children. Will you commit to it? Now notice verse one. The psalmist's strong statement here off the start. The psalmist is Asaph, okay? And, and he's declaring to the people of God that they must give their full attention to what he's saying. He's like, hey, people, listen up to this. This is of utmost importance. Notice the exclamation point, urgency and the weight of importance of what he's saying. And Asaph says in verses two to three, he says, he will, notice the commitment, I will open my mouth in a parable. Circle the word parable. You say, what's that? The word parable means this. These are stories. Parables are stories that were used to illustrate the truth of God and to teach moral and spiritual instruction from God's word. Jesus used them all the time. In fact, uh, there's about 40 parables that Jesus used. If you look in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you will see it. Those are called the synoptic Gospels. And in this case, here's what Asaph's doing. Asaph is using the stories of Israel's history. If we keep reading through Psalm 78, you're going to see he unpacks mainly the exodus of what God had done to deliver his people. And he's, he's declaring these parables to tell the people the dark truths. Notice that? The dark truths in the text. What are those? They carry, these are the, the truths that carry deep meaning in their history for the way that they were to live their lives if they were to honor and obey the Lord. And these are the mysteries of the faith, the mysteries, the truths of God that they were to pass on to the next generation. Now notice this, notice this as we head into verse four. The psalmist tells them not just to heed, not just to hear God's command, be like this. Like, yeah, okay, hear God's command, that's for somebody else. Yeah, I hear God's command. I just won't bother with it. It's not important. Let's just turn on some Netflix instead tonight. Listen, think, think, loved ones. He says they're not just to heed or hear God's command, but they are to embrace it. Look at verse four. Go back to the text, verse four. We, notice the corporate element right there. It's not I anymore. It's we. Community, we will, commitment, not hide them, the truths of God, from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. See, Asaph states this right there, that if God's people are not intentional in passing on the truths of his word and his testimony, here it is, notice, notice the text, then it's just as if we're hiding the truth of God from the next generation. Every time we keep the Bible closed in our homes, we are hiding the truth of God from the next generation. Every time we prioritize something else over that, we're hiding it. Do you want to hide it? In your homes, are you hiding it? How about in this church? Now, now notice this, notice the we and their children, the specific terminology, circle we and their children in verse four. It shows that even though parents, listen up parents right here, it shows even though parents were meant to be and are still meant to be the primary disciples of their children. Parents, you and I cannot pass off the discipleship of our children to the church. It's not like, well, we're part of the church, let them do it and then we'll do other things. Parents, we are called before God when he's entrusted us with children, we are called before him to be the primary disciples of his word into their lives. However, notice the text. Parents, we were never meant to disciple our kids alone. That's good news. Everyone say good news. We're never meant to disciple their kids alone, but it was a crucial job. Now, not just a job. Here's what it is. Discipleship of kids is a privilege. Everybody say privilege. It is a privilege 
for every single person in the community of faith, in Israel here, and now in the community of faith of the church. It is a privilege to disciple the next generation around them. And Harvest or Hope Bible Church, Ottawa, I just, I gotta say right here, um, what a joy it is to see this happening increasingly. I just love how much, I just love how much kids are loved in this church. And to see you increasingly pursuing their hearts and not hiding the truth of God, getting down on your knees. Had a guy come to my house today to pick up one of my boys to come serve. Not hiding the truth of God. Thank you, Hope. Press on. Press on. See, here's what we have to understand and lock into. Write this down. You'll see it on the screen. Children's discipleship is a community effort. Children's discipleship is a community effort. And notice what it says. We will not hide them from their children. Verse 4, but do what? Tell them. The word tell there. The Hebrew word there does not describe the idea of just telling them once and saying, okay, I've told them now, I've done my part. I've done my part. It's somebody else's turn. Actually, the Hebrew verb there is an active imperative. It means to not just tell once and then see you later, I've done my part. It's to keep telling. Keep telling constantly. God is commanding us to teach his children that he's entrusted to us about life. Here's what it means. Life through God's perspective. There is discipleship of the next generation, bringing them up in the training and instruction of the Lord to see life from God's perspective. That changes everything. That is like the X factor. Life through God's perspective. He exhorts the people to tell of God's mighty acts, his increasing love his love for them and the wonders that he's done and how each of them impacts our life. It's not enough just to say, okay, so here, here's a Bible verse, but teaching the children how it applies when they're on the schoolyard, when they're watching films, when they're FaceTiming, when they're stewarding money, when they're whatever, teaching them how it applies to relationships. And this is whether you're a parent, whether you're single, Here's one, whether you think you're any good with kids or not. Anyone feel a little intimidated by going in front of kids? Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whether you think you're good with kids or not. Here's what Asaph says. Um, he exhorts the people of God right here in us today to live with God lenses. Are you putting your God lenses on every day? Are you discipling the God lenses into your children? that they would see life, see the culture from God's perspective, see those intimidating situations when they feel scared from God's perspective. See, the truth of God, who he is and what he's done, and the truth of his word, hey, loved ones, is to increasingly permeate every part of the lives of his people so that we can increasingly model this in his power for our children, in his power at work in us, and then pass it on to them by showing them how it applies to every part of their lives, in the suffering, in the sickness, in COVID-19. How do you process that with a God lens, with a biblical worldview? What does that look like when, when a relative dies or a classmate dies? Are we training our kids how to, do, how to see it through God's perspective? And the hope that we can have in him. Are we doing this in their entertainment choices and how they steward their bodies? So much about body image today. Parents, church, are we waking up to disciple them through God's perspective on these issues? Where their true identity comes from. Where the sanctity of life begins. Are we discipling them in this? What, what is real truth? And that it's not relative. Loved ones, this is our call. And you may say this. If you're like me, when I first, 
we had our first, we had twins first. It was like, oh boy. It was just like, I remember seeing, I got Isaac and Sam in my hands. I'm looking, I'm like, I'm feeling a little overwhelmed right now. And I'm seeing the command of God and I'm just like, what do I do? What do I do? I didn't get the manual. And then God's like, I gave you the manual. And I didn't just give you the manual, I gave you the power. Hey, you may say, I'm feeling intimidated by this, but can I just encourage you, church? You may say, well, I don't know what to tell a kid. I'm going to teach the word of God. I'm like, you don't need a seminary degree to do this. You want to know what it takes? Here it is. Um, the word of God and the spirit of God inside of you. The word of God and the spirit of God inside of you. And here's the truth. Notice, I love how he says, we'll tell them a parable. This story that illustrates the truth of God of spiritual significance. Hey, did you notice this? Hey, kids, kids, eyes up here. I'm going to ask you a question. Ready? Okay, I'm putting you on the spot right now. Kids, put your hand up if you love to hear stories. Hey, adults. Yeah, way to go, kids. You guys rock. Hey, adults. Hey, question. Put your hand up if you love to hear stories. Yeah. Why is that? Why is it just hardwired in us? Where do you think that came from? Where do you think that came from? I just love this. Like, children love stories. You know, like, there's always... We we have four boys, by the grace of God. But I remember from, like, the time they could start talking, right up until today, literally this afternoon, it was like they'd watch a movie or they'd read a book and they're quickly identifying who's the bad guy, who's the good guy. Who's the bad guy? Where's the conflict? And they're reading the end of the book because they want to get to where everything's resolved, right? Things are starting out really well. That movie, same thing in movies. Things are starting out good. Then the villain comes. And then the rest of the movie is how to make right what's happening and watch good overcome evil until there's consummation. Why do you think those, like, why do you think those, those TV shows are like, three-part movies, they leave you hanging at the end, you're like, I gotta see the rest, right? Because we're made for consummation. We are made to long for things to be made right. Guess what? You know what, you know what just happened there? That's the whole biblical storyline. Things are going well in creation, Genesis chapter 1 and 2. Then the villain comes. Satan is introduced in Genesis 3. And sin enters the world. Now there's a conflict. And the rest of the Bible is pointing to God's redemptive plan for humanity. And then you get to Revelation where there's the consummation where Jesus comes back, new heavens, new earth, and makes all things right. And evil is destroyed for good. Where do you think that longing to see that consummation comes from? He's put it in our hearts. Ecclesiastes 3.11, he's placed the longing for eternity in the heart of man. There's a longing for things. That just doesn't happen. And so parents, church, tell them the greatest story. There's all these stories out there today. We love reading stories. And there's some good books out there. There's some good movies out there. But listen, tell them the greatest story. The story of God. Tell him how he overcame death by sending his son, Jesus Christ, the final consummation is coming. Tell, him of his, tell them of his redemptive plan for all time. Tell them of his great truth. And here's the thing. Tell them of his great work in your life. Why do you think there were tears when we were watching the baptism video? Where do you think that came from? It's the stirring of the longing. Tell them, loved ones, parents, specifically, when you're sitting around the table with your Bible open, tell them the greatest story. Don't forsake it. When you're in the yard doing yard work and look at the creation all around you, when you hear the birds chirping, you're like, hey, 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 listen listen to those birds. You hear that? Remember in Matthew 6 where Jesus said, "Uh, I created the birds, I provide for the birds, and you're way more valuable to me than a bird. You're made in my image, and I'll provide all your needs, and don't be anxious about your life. You know, listen to the birds. You don't have to be anxious about anything. You put your faith and hope in Jesus Christ. Anxiety is pointless at that point. Teach them the truth. When you're looking at the stars at night, and they're like, wow, look at those things. 
And you're like, Isaiah 40, 26 says he put every single star in place. He's slinging the stars out there and he calls them by name. Tell them the story. Tell them the parable of God and it just grips their hearts. It's a touch of eternity. When you're watching movies, family movie night, when you're reading a book and you're watching this, and you're like, something doesn't come across right. And you're like, okay, Holy Spirit moment right here. Pause. You're like, that's so not cool. Trust me, it's really cool. And you're watching the movie, and you're like, okay, is this what God says of how we're to speak to someone? Is this what God says of the value of human life? What do you think, guys? And then we start talking about, okay, good. You get the God lens, the biblical worldview. Parents, hey, church family members, tell of God's work in your life. Look at Deborah and Joshua today and Samuel today, telling of God's redemptive work in their life, good defeating evil. Praise the Lord. Tell them the story. Bring them, here's what I'm going to say. Bring them to the gathering of the church, parents. Bring your children to the gathering of the saints. Do not forsake it. I know it's hard to get out the door sometimes. I get it. We've been there. We're still there a bit. As of today. (laughs) But loved ones, it's worth it. Do not forsake it. It is the opportunity of brothers and sisters in Christ speaking into their lives, discipling them. And you may say, well, wait a second. I'm talking about stars and talking about all this stuff. Really? Can that really change? And God work in my kids? Can I just remind us of this? I heard this one. so right. Supernatural acts of God begin with ordinary acts of obedience. It's not, it's not your job or mine to try to figure out how God's going to use it. But supernatural acts of God begin with ordinary acts of obedience. And and, loved ones, God commands us to teach his word to our children, his truths, his story. Listen, will you commit to this? Will you commit to this? And you say, how? Well, right from the word. First off, through demonstration. Teach his word through demonstration in our lives. Show them the priority of God in your own life. Children can smell a phony. They know when you're just talking smoke. Show them the priority of God in your life. How you abide in him. That means to remain in him, in his word. My kids know where to find me every morning. Dad's going to be on the deck in the gazebo with the Lord. They don't have to wonder. Where will they find you in the morning? They know mom's going to be sitting on her bed with her heating pad in the word of God. (laughs) Just, they know. Show them the gospel demonstrate. And you're not trying to put on a show. Well, I have to do this and then I'll check my phone when they leave the room. Don't do that. Come on. Y'all know what I'm talking about. (laughs) But here's the thing. Here's the thing, the priority of God's word in your life, abiding, and then your prayer life, and walking in obedience in his power, modeling the truth of God in our lives in his power. Because here's the truth we got to understand. Church, parents, listen up. You can't teach what you don't know, and you can't lead where you don't go. I'll say it again. You and I can't teach what we don't know. If we're not growing in the word of God, we're not going to be able to teach them it. And you can't lead where you don't go. You can't exhort them to obedience and model that for them if you and I aren't going there ourselves. Secondly, teach his word through demonstration in your own life. Secondly, teach his word through declaration. Declaration. Being intentional to open our mouth. Notice verse 2. I will open my mouth. Are you and I opening our mouths? Are we taking the time to declare the truth of God? the gospel to our children? Or will you hide it from the children he's entrusted to you? Church, here's the thing about holiness and discipleship. It's not easy. This doesn't uh, just happen by accident. Children never just drift towards godliness. It's not like they're going to stumble on it one day. They need to be directed. 
And we are called as the church to step in and stand up for them on their behalf. And here's the other thing. You may be sitting here and be like, okay, well, this is great stuff for when my kid's 10. I, I just want to address that for a moment. You're like, my kid's like two. They're not going to pay attention, right? I, can I just exhort us in this? Don't wait till you think they're old enough. Don't wait till you think they're old enough. Start now. Like now. When they're in their bumbos around the table, little bouncy chairs, start now. The word of God is living and active. Start now. And I love how Charles Spurgeon put this over your encourage, write this down. Charles Spurgeon said this, begin early to teach for children begin early to sin. You notice that? You notice that, man, how fast even little babies love them, love them so much. But they know how to get mom and dad. They'll just cry even when nothing's wrong. I just want your attention. Deception. Begin early to teach because children begin early to sin. Why would we let sin manifest itself in the heart of a child for five years before we open God's word in front of them? Because we don't think, listen, can I just encourage us in this? Loved ones, I was up here. Pretty fired up about this. There is no junior Holy Spirit. The same Spirit of God that is given to every adult when they come to know Christ is given to children when they come to know Christ. It's not like the junior varsity level Holy Spirit and then it'll kind of get mature and grow. God gives us all of the Holy Spirit upon salvation. There is no junior Holy Spirit. And that same longing for eternity that's in your heart as an adult is in the heart of every single one of these children and the ones downstairs and the ones that are watching at home. It's all in need of him. Teach the word of God to the next generation. Tell of his mighty works and glorious deeds and tell them. Church, church, this is why we are committed to preach the gospel every single week, every single small group that we have in this church and opportunity. Parents, lock this in. Teach them the most glorious deed that God ever did. Teach them the greatest expression of his power and grace and love and the greatest story that we are called to teach our children as first importance. It's not the Incredibles. It's not Paw Patrol. It's not anything else. Of first importance is the gospel. Amen? Amen. It is of first importance. The truth of the person work of Jesus Christ how Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to earth as fully God and fully man and was crucified on a cross for our sin, to pay the penalty for our sin that we deserved even though he was perfectly sinless. A perfect life for 33 years. Never sinned once. And he paid that penalty on the sin even though we deserved it. Jesus in our place, amen? And he was died and he was buried in that tomb for three days. But just as we sang today, death was arrested. The power of sin could not hold him. And he was raised to life. Three days later, conquering sin and death for all time. And now he offers forgiveness of sin and eternal life. The unshakable hope to all who repent and confess him as their Lord and Savior. Now listen to this. This is the greatest story right there. Think about this. Think about this. Dial in. If this is the greatest truth we could ever have, which it is, um, then how could we ever think of hiding it from our kids? How could we ever think of forsaking it to pull out some book from this world in its place? Kids long to hear it. The longing for eternity gets stirred. Press in. Will you hear God's command and make the commitment to teach them? Individually, in your families, in your homes, but corporately as a community church. We are called to this. So what is your next step? And some of you, Kevin announced it earlier, the summer reasons. This is why we have a whole page on our website called Building the House. And it's all resources for the summer. There's children's Bibles on there, prayer devotionals, study Bibles, personal areas for discipleship, growth to get you started to help equip you families. 
Praise the Lord. Log on there. Check it out. Purchase the resources on there. Like, it's so, so good. But hey, hey, how about, how, about, how about training the next generation in Hope Kids? Downstairs right now, there's gospel going forward. Have you stepped in? Step in. Let's go. To train our children to set their hope in the Lord, we must make the commitment to teach. And if we're to make this commitment, last point today, we must realize this. We must realize what's at stake. We have to realize the consequences if we don't. If we do, and if we don't. See, children, here's the consequence. Children have one of two choices, just like you and I. We will either set our hope in the world, or we will set our hope in God. There's no middle ground. You and I, just like every child ever born or ever will be, will have one of two choices to make. Set your hope in the world or set your hope in God. There's no middle ground. Hey, church, do we realize the stakes? The stakes are pretty high. Look at verses 5 to 7. He established, that is God, established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel which he commanded our fathers to teach their children that the next generation might know them the children yet unborn. I was going to stop there for a moment. Circle verse 6. We need to realize this. God, see that? Did you see it? God is very passionate for the unborn child. God is very passionate about the unborn child and as his body as the church we are called in his name to be passionate for it for them too and to stand firm and valuing the sanctity of life that he is fearfully and wonderfully creating from the moment of conception and to the moment that he calls them home Just hear the word of the Lord. The children yet unborn and arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God. There it is, the consequence. Set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. See, and recall in verse 5, the word testimony there is the covenant of God, the law of God, the word of God that God made with the people of Israel at Mount Sinai when they were in the wilderness after coming out of Egypt. You know, the Ten Commandments came out of there. And they were commanded by God to teach the future generations of children His Word and His works, whether in one's immediate family or in the greater community of God's people. And notice this right here, right from the text. That he commanded our fathers to teach their children. Verse 5, it's not an option that the people could just choose to do or not do if they felt like it or felt they were equipped for it. He makes it clear, as we need to be made clear today, if you are saved in Jesus Christ, if you've been called to Christ, here's the reality, you've been called to minister to children. In your homes and in the church. You've been called to minister to children and in the world. Look, notice verse 6 and 7. It says that the purpose of consistently teaching the next generation the truth of God's word is so that they might know it and understand it so then they could teach it to others. You see that right there? And this is the beautiful picture, loved ones, of God's plan of discipleship of one generation to the next. We see it right there. As children are brought up in the truths of God's word each day and by his grace alone set their hope, faith, and trust in Jesus alone, they will then, notice the text, they will then be able to disciple those who come after them, even the ones that we don't know about but are on the way. So that they too may set their hope in God, in Jesus Christ as their only hope and salvation. And I just love this. You know, one of the things we're just sitting around here in pre-service prayer. Did you know, right, right, this is the grace of God. Did you, did you see the, the ushers today? There were kids who went through Hope Kids here, now serving children. There are kids in Hope Kids right now teaching the gospel to children right now, and they had just come through Hope Kids. You see the plan of 
God. And it's beautiful. One generation to the next, teaching others. Think about this. See, loved ones, God has not entrusted us with Hope Bible Church Ottawa just for our generation. And then when we're gone, well, whatever happens, happens. Listen, listen. We are commanded by God to be laying the foundation on the gospel of Jesus Christ and the word of God for your kids and their 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 kids kids because God help us. God help us if we leave them with compromise. This is what we're called. Leading small groups. The children of this church are future small group leaders. Maybe one of them is being trained up right now to take my place. Praise the Lord. I'll try to not take that personally. So here's the thing. Here's the thing, thing, right? But that's the whole idea. Praise the Lord if we raise up a child to lead for Jesus Christ. Look at verse 8. And that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn, verse 8, and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast. See, this is describing those who live in rebellion against God's word and those who had been taught the law of God. They heard God's word, but deliberately refused to follow it and have chosen not to remain steadfast in the faith. See the consequence? But instead, they've chose to be discipled by the world, live by the relativism of the world and the identity confusion of the world in which they live. And where does that lead? Ultimately leading them to hell. You see the consequences. Do we see what's at stake? Loved ones, this is the final consequence of one who sets their hope in the world. It's so clear. And God doesn't tell us this because he's some mean God up there ready to slap people. He tells us this because he loves us and he says, come to me. I created you for my glory. Come. And this is so important, church, because culture's doing a great job of discipling children into it. It disciples them away from faith in Christ to doubt, from truth to relativism and insecurity, from intimacy with him to individualism, from contributing to consuming, from purity to defilement, from peace to anxiety, and from setting hope in Jesus Christ alone to reject him and set their hope in the world that leads to separation from him for eternity. Hey, question church facing us today from this text. Will you, will we accept this? Will we allow it on our watch? Let's just be honest. Because here's the truth we need to lock in from this text. What one generation allows will be what the next one accepts as normal. I'll say it again. What one generation allows will be what the next one accepts as normal. And here's the truth we need to lock into. Write this down. If we don't disciple the children God's entrusted to us, the world will. world will. And then, loved ones, in love I say this, if that's the route we decide to go, then don't be surprised when they look like the world. Children will either set their hope in the world or in God. Are we realizing what's at stake? And there's no guarantee here. I, want, I just want to say this. Even though there's nothing that we can do that will guarantee the salvation of our children, you and I can't save our kids. We are not supposed to be the Savior, right? Because salvation is through Christ alone. We would be very foolish, church, loved ones, to think that this gives us license to not be intentional and earnest, and fervent, and faithful to disciple the children God's entrusted to us. See, Jesus is the one who acts, and he is the only Messiah, but it is our obedience to him in his power of the Holy Spirit through which he works. Our job is not to save children. Our job is to sow the gospel by the power of the Holy Spirit and allow God to save whom he will. And you may say this, you may get back to this and be like, I'm so overwhelmed at the thought of doing this. 
I'm just like wigging out over here. I want to encourage us, church, in Jesus Christ. Ready? Ready? Here's our hope. In Jesus Christ, we serve a Savior that is ready to give all of his strong support behind us in this. And we can take great confidence in knowing that Jesus Christ is the one who kept God's commandments perfectly and discipled others in his word perfectly and was steadfast in this. Even when he was faced with temptation and discouragement and weariness, Jesus prevailed. Amen? And so I say to you today, if you are not saved in Jesus Christ, praise the Lord. I'm so thankful you're here. It's from God's love that he has brought you here. And if you are not saved in Christ, he's, he's called to you today. Today when you hear my voice, he says in Hebrews, do not harden your heart. Don't harden. Don't reject the word of the Lord. But come and taste and see and repent of your sin and confess him as your Lord and Savior. And he offers you hope and life and rest and forgiveness of sin today. We don't need to clean ourselves up, amen? And if you are saved, brothers and sisters, Here's our challenge. I want, I, want you, I want to encourage you, press on in his strength today. Hey, weary mother, weary mother, and all the eyes go up. Like, you talking to me? Yeah, hey, weary, weary mother. Hey, hey, eyes up. Press on in the Lord. Press on in the Lord. Weary father, press on in the Lord. Whole Bible Church, Ottawa, press into the calling the privilege which we have received to disciple these children. As Jesus says, let the children come. That's the, that is a privilege we do not deserve. Let them come, hope. And do all that we can in his power to train them to set their hope in him as we make the commitment to teach and realize what's at stake if we don't. 1 Thessalonians 5.24 says this, and we close out. He who called us is faithful. And he will do it. Amen? Amen? So here's what we're going to do. I just want to take the next two minutes. Two minutes as the worship team comes up here. I just want to take the next two minutes for us. I want you to grab the people around you or maybe just even quietly for yourself. And I want you to pray hard for the next generation. Say, Lord, use me. Pray for these kids. Love seeing all these kids in these pews right now. Pray for those kids downstairs and say, Lord, not on our watch. Help us with this commitment, because it can be tiring. Help us to realize what's at stake, and let's go to war for the next generation. Two minutes, let's go, and then we will stand and respond. Sorry? Please.
Lord Jesus Christ, you are the King of Kings. You are the creator of every human being on this planet. You are the sustainer. And Lord, right now we feel the weight, but we also receive the hope. The hope that you have not left us alone. That you have promised and you have equipped us and will continue to equip us with all we need to bring up the children that you've entrusted to us. And they are an entrustment. We don't own them. They're yours. And you've entrusted them to us to bring them up in the training and instruction, Lord. And so right now, I pray faith would be swelling in the hearts of every person in this place to say, here I am, Lord. Send me. Use me. Whatever it takes. There's no greater mission. I hear the command. And I'm ready to make the commitment and teach in whatever form you see fit. And so I pray for each of the children in this church, the ones that have been dedicated today, I pray not one would be lost. I pray right now every single one of them would be setting their hope in you and we would see that baptism tank filled again and again and again with children from the next generation declaring great are you, Lord. May it be so. Loved ones, will you stand as we respond? Sing this loud. This is our anthem. Let's go worship.